host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back to part two on the recruitment process of becoming a City of Columbus firefighter. So sit back and relax and enjoy as we continue our discussion with firefighter Asia Ferris. When you're recruiting, uh, you know, candidates to be in the fire service, what's the biggest obstacle for uh, that you run into with uh, people of color? Biggest obstacle for people of color, I would say. Or if there is any, or if if there is any. There there are a couple. Um, The first one is the fear of fire. The moment you say that I'm a firefighter, people say, oh, I ain't running in no burning buildings. I cannot tell you how many times people say that. And I, and I, Oh. You do have to be a kind of special someone to be thinking in terms of everybody running out, but we running in. <laughs> and fire is hot and fire hurts if it burns you and fire is dangerous, right? And it is it is just <laughs> traumatic and detrimental to whatever it touches. So I get it. We have to have a respect for it. But we have one of the best training academies in the nation. We're like the 14th. We go back and forth. 14th or 15th largest fire department in the nation. So we have one of the best facilities, and we learn so much in that training academy to keep us safe. We ain't lost no firefighters since, like, the 80s. I've been on 11 years, okay? So, and I, I'm okay. I'm still here, all right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard to convince people that have their minds made up because of fear, and fear will debilitate you in a heartbeat anyway. So if you think that you're putting yourself in danger, why would you pursue that career no matter how much money you can make? So trying to convince mm-hmm. people – that they can rely on their training and the people that they're going to be working with and the tools and just the knowledge that you're going to gain through the training academy and the experience and the experience of the elders that are on that have been doing this a long time and absolutely know better. It's hard. It's hard to get that through their minds. So once you can get them past that and then you start talking about the money or you start talking about the tuition reimbursement, which we have 100% tuition reimbursement. So we try to pull these kids right out of high school to come to the fire department because we say, hey, you can go and rack up $60,000 a bit if you'd like at a school, or you can come to the fire department and then we'll pay you $60,000 a year. And once you finish your first year, you actually can go back to school and get that education and allow us to pay for it for you. So that's a big wow. thing, too, that we use to kind of flip on people that a lot of people are not aware of. But at the same time, you got to get them past their fears first for them to even open their mind to listening to this opportunity. Um, the other thing I would say is their background. Um, just recently, I want to say it was October, the background removal standards got updated, where prior to, I believe it was October, if you used marijuana within one year from the date that you applied, then you are already disqualified. So that took out a lot of minorities, a lot of minorities. Well, that has switched now to um, if you cannot pass a drug test going forward, then you are disqualified. So the polygraph also used to be a disqualifier. If you had any deception whatsoever, you're out. Where now, if there's any deception, you're going to have an opportunity to explain yourself. So some things have changed that are really going to work in the favor of, and it just happens to be, minorities. 
Uh, ladies, a lot of times they don't want to get hot and spanking and sweaty, and there's no way around that. Our gear is up to 100 pounds, and you're going to be on the ground. You're going to be crawling through attics. You're going to be crawling through confined spaces. Your your gear does not let heat out, and it does not let heat in. So your your body heat is just going to keep you hot and sweaty the whole time that you're in it. So you have to be prepared for your hair to get messed up, for your nails to get messed up. And so a lot of times my ladies, they struggle with that. They want to be cute all the time. And I'm like, but six figures? Be cute on the weekends, baby, you know? So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I got to get through to the ladies a lot of times, too. We got to get them past the fear, and then we got to get them past the being too cute all the time and get get down and dirty and grungy, you know, and then be cute once you make that money. So <laughs> I would definitely say those are probably the main ones. The fear of fire, uh, the, the background removal standards as far as the drug usage, felonies, that's another one. And then my ladies, that are hair and nails, honey. <laughs> I've been doing this for 11 years, and I promise you, if I tallied how many times I've heard those things, I believe they're in that order as well. <laughs> oh, boy. God. Have you ever, uh, mm-hmm. firefighter fairs, have you ever driven one of the big fire trucks Absolutely, you have to. That's part of your training in that eight months. You learn to drive every truck, every single truck. It's like getting your CDLs in one week. Uh, You have to learn how to drive the engines, the medics, the tillers. You have to drive in the front. You've probably seen the tillers where you have to drive in the back. Yes, Mm -hmm. you learned all of that. In my training 11 years ago was in one week. We had seven days to learn how to drive every truck under the Columbus Division of Fire. It is a requirement. Mm. What what about the jaws of life? That we kind of played around with. Uh, you got to have some serious years on to get into those roles. <laughs> we are definitely seniority based um, and experience based. So typically, that's a fifteen year or more tenured individual that is messing with the, the jaws of life for sure. That is our heavy rescue squad. Um, <clears throat> but yes, it's an option for you. But you got to get some time on first. We do train though. We did some training to kind of mess around with it a little bit to kind of see what it, how heavy it was. It it was extremely heavy. We went to the junkyard and cut up some some different vehicles and stuff too. So that was fun. Definitely wasn't for me. I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I like putting out the fires. So. <laughs> yep. So what about uh, bombs uh, in regards to do you guys go out and defuse bombs? There's a bomb squad. They do that specifically, yes. So that's similar to the heavy rescue squad. And if that's something you're interested in, you're probably looking at at least having 15 years on or more to be able to take advantage of that opportunity. But, yep, they're trained specifically for that. How can our listeners uh, find out more about the fire department? Yes. Well, first of all, If, in fact, you have specific questions about anything that's been discussed today, you can reach out to our Office of Recruitment. That phone number is 614-645-6387. That will bring you directly into one of the recruiters on the fire department, myself being one of them, Firefighter Asia Ferris. And there's also a firefighter, Rod Stewart, not the singer. 
Yeah, so either one of us will be able to answer yeah. any questions that you may have. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, if in fact you are interested in us coming to speak to, if you are, say, a teacher or a guidance counselor, or you are assisting the youth in any type of capacity, and you want us to come to your school or or wherever to just give like a little brief overview of this process and answer any specific questions, we can help you with that as well. So I need to I want to ask you a question. You you went yeah. through everything to become a firefighter. How did you end up in your current position as a recruiter? You know, going out like yeah. you said to the schools and other events to share, you know, with the communities how, you know, how to become a firefighter and what are some of the things that you need to do? How did you end up getting into that position that you're currently in? Yes. Well, I do have 11 years on. This December, I'll have 12 years on. So my first, your first three years, you're actually in a journeyman program. So that starts from the first day of the training academy, and then you graduate, and then you go out on the streets, but you're still doing a bunch of hands-on and a lot of nose-to-the-book stuff for that first three years. After three years, you come back and you test out for the journeyman program. Once you've tested out and you've proven that you know how to do everything, you can put the ladders up, you can go and put out the fire, you can cut a hole in the roof and ventilate. Once you've proven through that journeyman test that you learned everything you needed to learn, you are a journeyman firefighter. And then you have a lot more leeway and some of that, you know, nose to the book kind of flows down just a little bit. So for me, I completed my journeyman, I passed it on the first time, and then within 30 days and manpower needs, if they if they need you, they're going to put you somewhere. And if you don't have the seniority, you don't have it, and you're one of the first to go. So when I first finished my journeyman, I would have had one of the least seniority members. And I ended up getting forced to the fire alarm office, which is where we take our 911 calls for the city. And actually where I actually worked overtime yesterday, uh, taking calls for the city. So, yes, I started there, uh, actually out on the streets fighting fire. And then once I finished my journeyman, I was actually kind of, we call it force told, <laughs> kind of forced told to go to the fire alarm office to take the 911 calls because we had a shortage there. And then from there, and again, you're already an EMT and you're already a firefighter one and a firefighter two, and that kind of came through the eight and a half months of the training academy. So you've got all those certs, so then I also got the FAOS cert or the fire alarm office cert. And then after that, I was asked um, by a lieutenant who stated that they were looking to increase the number of diversity um, or increase the diversity numbers, I should say, within the Columbus Fire Department. <clears throat> well, then I got word that this came all the way from the mayor. The mayor was like, hey, we need to double the diversity within the Columbus Fire Department. Our diversity numbers were probably closer to 9% or so, and they're more like 14% now. And that was within, I'd say, maybe the last six or seven years. So we still got a long way to go. Out of 1,600 firefighters, our diversity only being about 14%. That's about 55 women and only five African-American women like myself. So we got a lot of work to do. Wow. Um, so from the, from the mayor down, he says, we are doubling diversity within public safety in the next 10 years. Make it happen. So I literally, someone came, the lieutenant came to the fire alarm office while I was working and asked me if I would come and be part of the recruitment team. I am diverse in every way. I am a woman. I am an African-American woman. And we need more people that look like me and more women. So I was like, absolutely. So I, I didn't realize how much I would fall in love with it, though, even though I'm a super social person. But I didn't, I didn't realize 
how much of an impact that I would have and how many people would be so grateful to me. It's it's so cool when people finally walk across the stage and shake the mayor's hand and they're now becoming a Columbus firefighter when just, you know, a year before that they were applying and asking me a billion questions. So <laughs> there's a lot of really happy and grateful people that get through the process. And so it's it's super gratifying for me to witness it uh, from start to finish. So, yes, it is highly important that we increase our diversity numbers because the different places within the Columbus within the Columbus area, just in general, as far as the people we're running on, a lot of times we don't have the people to represent those that look like the people we're running on. So, I mean, we've got a, a, obviously a lot of African-American groups within Columbus, a lot of Somali groups within Columbus, a lot of Spanish-speaking groups within Columbus, and we don't really have that representation within the fire department. So we need to be able to translate. We need to be able to uh, communicate and relate to the people that look like us. And so it's, it would be nice to have more people represent through the Columbus Division of Fire and be able to run on people so they can feel more comfortable too, being able to see people that look like them. So we're making that impression with the youth as as me being a, a brown woman, and we're also trying to make that impression with the people that we're trying to help so they can feel more comfortable too. Excuse me for a minute. We need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGIN, and WGIN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. What was the worst fire that you were involved in? Uh, all of them. Any fire is devastation. Um Okay. I've I've never witnessed any person pass away. I did witness two dogs uh, unfortunately pass away due to smoke inhalation. Um, that was that was difficult, you know, because the family was just devastated. But we were happy to see the family alive. But yeah, every fire is devastating. Uh, people's possessions. There's no way to get those things back. That sentimental value, the story behind it. You know, no no matter what, you can't replace it even if you do. So it's tough. Um, fire is, it's just, it's just ugly. It's ugly in every way as far as the, the traumatic experience that the people have to go through and everything that they lose. So every fire to me is the worst fire. Uh, you said that you also uh, act as a, you know, that you worked in the position of a 991 operator. Can you recall any one of the worst calls that you might have had to take? Uh Let's see. So within our our FAO or fire alarm office, uh, we do different roles while we're there. You're taking 911 calls. There's typically four people for the whole city of Columbus that are taking those calls. There's someone that is working the dispatch, so they're sending the trucks to that call. There's someone working the EMS radio station. So if the medics are there but they can't get in, they need more information, and that person works that area, there's also a fire area so if there's a specific fire going on and that person is working that area so we all kind of have different roles while we're there for that 24-hour stint Um, but as far as when we are sitting in a 911 operator position I mean the hardest thing for me is, is anything that has to do with young kids babies being born unfortunately that if they weren't breathing and trying to walk through walk the mother through or the father through or whoever's there to help you know how to get that baby back um, or how to even birth that baby, for instance, especially those first-time mamas, uh, the, the elderly. Um, you know, unfortunately, when it's our time to go, it's our time to go. 
you know, and trying to walk a person through doing CPR on, on their husband or their wife. Uh, some people are so afraid of the person that they've loved for 40 years when they see them not breathing, they're afraid to touch them. So that's difficult too, is to get this person to recognize that you are the best thing for them right now. You have to become their heartbeat. I need you to put your fear aside and place this person on their back so that you can start, you know, pushing on their chest. So that those are the, the tough calls because that fear is so great that this 40 years of love, it, it doesn't matter. That fear is greater. And they're so afraid that they cannot help this loved one. So sometimes that's difficult because we're just trying to talk them through how to get that person the help they need right now. But a lot of times, you know, four, five, six minutes later, they never started compressions. And then we get there and, and it may be too late. Every second is precious when someone's heart stops beating. So I, I would hope and wish that more people would educate themselves on CPR. You can literally just do a search for it online and learn how to do it. But if you don't ever, like, really figure out how to gain the confidence in doing it, and then if you are able to apply it, if it ever happens to be someone, you know, at a store or someone you know, you know, you have to put that fear aside and, and be able to put your hands on that person to help them in that moment. So that's probably the toughest cause for me is getting people past their fear. Uh, we get anxiety attacks. People call and they, I mean, it's like the world is just falling down around them, you know, and then trying to calm these people down and, and talking them through how to breathe and talking them through whatever got them to that stressful point in the first place and helping them recognize that things will get better. This may be your rock bottom right now, but things will get better. Just being kind of a counselor and a therapist, you know, is not part of what I knew I was going to get myself into when I got on the fire department, but I was so glad that I did because I actually studied psychology <laughs> in school, so it was the perfect fit <laughs> for me. So I actually enjoy doing that job as well, and diffusing is just something I naturally and organically do well. So definitely some tough calls when, when people are hurt or injured. If there's babies involved in any capacity, then that's a tough one too, for sure. Ernie, before we um, end the show, is there something that you would like to say? Yeah, I would, you know, just want to say thank you for your service. And uh, you guys do a fantastic job. And, and I'll probably fall into that last category. I I think about that sometimes because it's just me and my wife. And I'm real squeamish. I mean, I can't even look at them <laughs> giving me a shot. So I would, I, I, you know, you kind of. Describe me. You probably just, that's describing me, and you know that's been something I've I've thought about before, too. And uh, you're right. You are absolutely right. Uh, you see somebody they're not breathing that you love, you you know just freeze up, and that's what I keep trying mm -hmm. to get myself mentally ready for something like that. You know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but but you are absolutely right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My pleasure. Firefighter Ferris, is there anything yeah. that you would like to say to our listeners before we sign out? Well, I, first, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to allow me to share my story and to kind of educate all those that are listening on the whole process of becoming a firefighter and then the experiences that I've been able to share with you as well. 
um, <laughs> it really is a great career. The camaraderie is probably the biggest part. Anyone who's ever thought of even military or just kind of um, did any kind of sports that involved having that structure and having that team aspect, this is really the job for you. It is a customer service-oriented job, though. I want to mention that, too, and people forget that a lot of times. Um, you will be dealing with the public. You may not be dealing with them like myself, you know, doing radio interviews or actually going and speaking in front of whole high schools. I mean, I I do it all, and I don't mind. But you're going to speak with the patient, their their loved ones. You're going to say hi to the dog when you come into people's house. You'll speak to the doctors. You'll speak to the nurses. You will have conversations with people. It's part of being a Columbus firefighter and being a good quality one, too. Communication is key. So I want to also say that education is so, so highly important. Please read. Please get good grades in school. Our tests are not easy. You can't just go study for a night and just, you know, try to get a 60 and say, oh, I passed. It's not very good, but I passed. No, you didn't. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people fail by one point because they thought they can just kind mm -hmm. of fling it. It doesn't work like that. This is not a job where you go and learn for a night to pass a test. This job is going to set you up for your future. This job is going to make a difference in someone's life and saving someone's life. So everything that you learn throughout the process of becoming a Columbus firefighter will make you a better EMT and a better firefighter and a better person, a better human. So that's what I'd like to say, <clears throat> that please consider this as a career choice for you. If anything, reach out, allow me to do like some type of tour with you, or we can set you up for a ride along. You can actually go take runs for, I think, four hours, six hours, and eight hours at a station of your choice. We can set that up, have paperwork you'd have to fill out, and then you can go and literally take all the fire runs and all the EMS runs for that stint of time and see what a typical day is like and actually watch firefighters in action. So then you're you're now saying, oh wow, this is this is not so bad, or this is really cool, or this is exactly what I thought you guys were doing. This is a lot of fun. It is a lot of hard work. The gear is heavy. Yes, you're going to get hot. Yes, you're going to get sweaty. But you're going to make some lasting relationships. You're going to save lives. You're going to be a hero. You're going to have people walk up to you and shake your hand and say thank you for saving my uncle the other day. And you're not even going to know who they are. And you're going to be thinking, that wasn't me, but it was you. It was one of your brothers or fire sisters or fire brothers. So the impact that we have is just so great. It really is. And I just wish that more youth were aware of this position. So today, hopefully, there's been some enlightenment and some, some light bulbs that have gone off, and there's some some thoughts and questions, and that seed has been planted for individuals who are thinking about what I want to be when I grow up. And hopefully now a firefighter is one of those options that you'll consider. So what is the website that someone could go to? So as far as our website, you can go to www.columbus.gov, which is G-O-V, slash civil service. And once you go into that website, you can scroll down, and then you'll see where it says fire exams. And then the next screen, you'll click on firefighter, and then you'll have a whole screen full of links and information that will better prepare you for the process. Ernie, I'm going to be a firefighter in 2024. Come on. You wait. You uh -huh. wait and see, Ernie, okay? Uh, You're going to get it. All righty. Go sleep, Ernie. Go for it. Yeah. Yep, go for it. <laughs> all right. I love all it. Right. <laughs> I'm already. You can do it. I'm at myself. Okay. You can okay. do it. <laughs>
instincts. I wish I had known more about what you guys were about when I was coming up. Like you say, the younger generation, if you're not out there doing outreach, talking to them, they don't realize that they have other opportunities available to them mm-hmm. versus the environment that they live in and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you were able to reach one or two of them. And that, to me, if you're able to reach one or two, that's a success. Yeah, Absolutely. So. I 100% agree. And we appreciate mm-hmm. any opportunity to get before the youth to share, to be seen. Yeah and to share, because both are impactful. Firefighter Ferris, we want to thank you for coming on today. We want to thank you for sharing with our listeners. And with that being said, this is Felice. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is FaithThomasFDN.